Learning to pray. Today, we take out the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's a little scary, isn't it? Talk about God's will. Well, verse 10 of Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. It's without a doubt that millions of people over many centuries have prayed the words of this prayer in a a way that Jesus called vain repetition in verse 6, sorry, verse 7 of this chapter. He said, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the heathen do. Heathen sounds like a harsh word, doesn't it? It's just, a, it's just an old word that just refers to people that uh, describes people that leave God out of their life, out of the equation of their life. And so Jesus says, don't, don't pray that way. For they think, he said in verse 7, they think they will be heard for their many words. Theologian uh, and pastor Tom Wright, a British pastor and author, in his small but insightful commentary on Matthew, makes the point that Jesus intended these instructive words about prayer that we have come to know uh, and refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And I just hit a button that exploded the font size. <laughs> there we go. Um, he, he, he said these instructive words about prayer to that Jesus gave to his disciples, that they act more like a scaffolding than rather than being intended to be the, the whole building, as he put it. Interesting metaphor. Of course, this prayer can certainly be used precisely as it's written, word for word, it can and can still be very meaningful that way. So we're not saying that, that that's not possible. Jesus uh, is not saying that. But, of course, that's contingent on the, uh, the sincerity of the individual, praying, speaking these words, and the posture of a person's heart who's, who's praying, who's expressing this. It's worth noting that there are no... Um, singular pronouns in this prayer, right? They're plural. Have you noticed? I'm sure you have. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some, some theologians make the good point that this is because Jesus never intended that following him was to be done in a, in a lone ranger kind of way, not, not something to be done on your own, detached from community of, with other believers within the context of his church uh, where there can be real connection and, and deep relationship and, and, and solid accountability, strong and ongoing encouragement and all of those good things that the body of Christ is intended by God's design to bring us in our trek as Christ followers through this this, uh, challenging world at times. 
Something else that's very important to notice in this prayer is that there are, uh, first of all, three prayer expressions about God and his glory, followed by three about ourselves and our needs. And that's significant because we can sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but probably not just me, that I think we can, we can too easily rush into prayer many times with a, you know, a shopping list of our requests and needs or wants. And God, God cares, of course. As our Heavenly Father, He cares about our, our true needs. Yes, He does. But first and foremost, first priority is that we recognize who he is. We worship him. We come and surrender to his will and ways first. And the hallowed be your name piece of the, the worshiping God first, uh, Pastor Jaden taught so well on that last Sunday. And if you missed it, you can go back and listen. I encourage you to do that. And uh, the, the surrender to God, like I said, first of all, your kingdom come, your will be done. Then, after we've established that heart posture of, of surrender to God as the all-wise one, then we can express our, our desire for God to have his way and provide for us. And remember, he loves to give. He loves to provide for his children. He really does. The scripture says that as well. So let's look at this first phrase, your kingdom come. Jesus often made reference to uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in his uh, teachings in the New Testament. And so it's not surprising that he would include this wording in this prayer for his disciples. And, there, and there's, been, there's been much discussion around what exactly this is. Even when Jesus walked on the earth, his closest followers wrestled with, uh, with you know, struggled or wrestled to understand what he meant by this phrase, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. It seems that many of his original followers thought it referred to, uh, to him overthrowing the Romans and literally ruling the land and thus freeing them from the oppressive government of the time. But that wasn't it. That, that's not what Jesus was alluding to. In Luke 17, 21, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. For those who have chosen to follow him, the kingdom of God is within you. It's intended to be within you. There were some then and there are some today who contend that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is only a future reality that will be established on earth. It is that, but it's not just that. Others say that it's made up of the, uh, the social activity of the church throughout human history. So there are elements of, of truth to both of those lines of thought, but one thing Jesus certainly meant was that he wanted his followers to invite God to establish his kingdom, his rulership in every aspect and over every aspect of their lives. And for some, that can be a scary thing to think about, to move that direction. And, of course, that's God's desire, knowing what he knows. He's the one who created these human beings, so 
He knows his way of doing life. The establishment of God himself as the king and ruler and the one who is, takes the reins of our life. He knows that that is the best, the very best thing for everyone in our world. Your kingdom come is a request to have divine uh, sovereignty. That, that just means he's in control. To, to have d- divine sovereignty evidenced and yielded to in every one of our lives. To prayer for God to be the su- supreme king and leader of every individual life. And as that happens over and over and over again, the collective influence in our community and in our world by spirit-filled believers who, who are walking under his leadership and, and, and living in the power of God, the collective influence of that is, is, is powerful and, and world-changing. And it's this that will result in his kingdom being advanced in our world and in our culture. And this is a tough one because when it's all said and done, we're sinful and prideful human beings. We want to be king of our own castle, don't we? We we want to make our own decisions because we think we know best many times. We want to see our priorities for what we want our lives to be. We want to be the boss and and we want to direct our own destiny. But people often don't realize the spiritual danger, actually, of, 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 of living life that way. Some of you have discovered that, as I have, that that by the choices you and I have made at times, when we function that way, we, 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 if we're honest, we, we realize that, that that's, that's not the best. That's not the way I'm, des- I'm designed to live. I was never intended to be the king on the throne of my life. None of us were in God's creation, in his created design. You see, as we attempt to live out the your kingdom come prayer, there will most definitely be clashes between between my self-willed ego and God's divine, loving, all-wise, sovereign plan for my life. But if I persist in sincerely praying your kingdom come in my life, I I will grow. you will grow, we will grow in a relinquishing control that most often doesn't happen just like that. Oh, God can do that as we search, sure, but it's often a season, sometimes a life in different ways, displayed differently, of, of, of wrestling between my self willed ego and God's loving, all wise, sovereign plan for my life day in and day out. Remember that when you pray this prayer, you're expressing that desire to the God who created you and thus he has every right to direct your life and mine and and every decision related to it. And not only does he have the right, he possesses everything in, in his character that makes him the most reliable, trustworthy, wise, 
loving one to be in that role of leadership and control over my life. Why? Why would that chafe me? Why would that idea of God truly being the king in my life and over my life, why does that chafe me at times? It's that human sinful nature that until, we're get, until we get to heaven is, is, is a reality of, of life in this broken world, right? Philip Keller in his book on the Lord's Prayer says that if the kingdom of God is within me, then I will care about what enters my body and my mind. He, he writes and says this, what I eat, what I drink, will be checked with care. I will not be a glutton nor a drunkard, he says. The same applies to my mind and my emotions. I will carefully monitor the material I read and the television shows I watch. That's sounding pretty old-fashioned, isn't it? But it's truth there. He says, lest my soul be distorted by the impressions received through my eyes. I will carefully, he writes, I will carefully scrutinize all this to see that no subversive, uh, spiritually so and otherwise, a su- a subversive material intrudes on the kingdom of God within my mind and emotions and will. He's talking about biblical holiness there and living in a Christ-honoring way. And in an attractive way, not a weird way, but an attractive way to those that don't yet know Christ. It's good. I recommend that book to you, by the way, and I can uh, put you in touch with it if, uh, uh, if you can't find it. So, then the phrase, your will be done, that Jesus teaches us to pray here as well. I, I, I humbly pose a, a question to you, and I... Pose it to myself as I do. How much time do you spend asking God for his will to be done in your life, in your heart, in your decisions, in your family, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your church, in every aspect of your life? Think about that for a moment. And... and, Some of you maybe pray that almost daily or often as I'm growing in doing. I mentioned this, I think, at our congregational debt load vote meeting recently. There's no time in my life when I prayed that prayer more than the weeks leading up to this expansion decision that we recently made as a a church I just, I just prayed, God, your will be done. No matter what I think or want, your will be done. Friends, I just, that's the best prayer you can pray. And like in some theological circles, they might try to tell you that's a lack of faith prayer. I strongly disagree with that. Jesus prayed it in the garden, didn't he? Not my will, Father, your will be done. And leading up to this big decision, I, I prayed many times through the day as I was going about my work and, and, and driving and, and 
for, 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 for some weeks, literally, I, I think most nights, the last thing on my mind, the first thing on my mind, and then, oh God, your will, your will be done. I genuinely want your will to be done, and only your will to be done and expressed through the body of Christ in this good process. That's freeing. That's freeing. For a number of reasons, and I, I, don't, I won't go down that path any further. There's much more I could say there, but the will of God, the will of God in our lives is the very best. With no, with, with, with no judgment or condemnation from my pastoral heart to you, I say that if you recognize this way of praying as a growth area in your life, I strongly encourage you to latch on to that. Begin to weave that prayer. Begin to weave it into your thought process. Begin to weave it into your verbal expressions, your, your unspoken, silent heart expressions to God, your loving Father. Begin to weave that prayer in till it shapes your very character and the, the way you live life that you, that you find yourself literally walking in a way that expresses the prayer you've been praying, sometimes maybe even saying it with your, with your mouth, and, and, and that's the process that helps your heart grow that direction to desire, to truly desire God's will, no matter what it means. I encourage you, I encourage you strongly to weave that into your, the, the spiritual fabric of your life and the, and the, and the, and the, the way you, the way you Talk and, and, and listen to, to God and to, and to his word. You've likely noticed already that these two phrases in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done, are somewhat distinctive, but there is definitely overlap. They're interrelated, obviously. Whether, whether we're speaking in eschatological terms of the kingdom of God coming and his will being done in the future. Eschatology is just the, the, the name of the study of future things in the Bible. And the Bible has a lot to say about future things. Read the book of Revelation. Read 2 Peter chapter 3. Future things. Or applying this to our lives now. These two phrases are two sides of the same coin. For, for, for today, living for Christ, and for what it will look like in a pretty wild future that the Bible talks about. Think for a moment about the many people over the centuries who have repeated these four words, your will be done, and they don't have the faintest idea about what that means much less have the desire to truly surrender to God's will. And if maybe if they, in, in many cases, I think if they came to understand what your will be done actually means, they'd be afraid to pray it. I'm not saying they need to be afraid to pray it. I, I'm just saying that they, they, they maybe don't know God well enough to have confidence to pray that prayer to let somebody else take control of the direction of my life and of the priorities of my life? Wow, it's a big step. 
but when you believe God is the one who created me and loves me most and knows me inside and out, why would I want anything other than his will to be carried out in my life? Sadly, I believe it's true to say that a good many Christ followers don't even think right about this area of praying God's will either. Theologian Soren Kierkegaard says that when we pray, many of us think the the important thing is that God heard what I said. As if I'm going to, you know, enlighten him or help inform a wise decision that he's going to make about my life. Humorous. Kierkegaard writes, and yet in the true eternal sense, it is just the reverse. In other words, uh, not that God needs to hear what I say, but, but, but he's saying it's, it's actually the reverse. The true relationship in prayer is not when, uh, or sorry, the, the true relation in prayer is not when God hears what is prayed for, but when the person praying continues to pray until he or she is the one who hears, who hears what God wills. And that's a whole other topic of discussion, isn't it? Of course, all of that must be founded on God's written word. Kierkegaard is highlighting the question of whether our prayer is an effort to convince God to grant our desires, or do we recognize the primary purpose of prayer? Is us expressing that we want God to plant his desires? in us, whatever they are, so that we want those same things. And of course, the latter is Jesus' hope for our prayer life and our lives in general, of course. Discerning uh, through prayer and and then doing God's will in our daily lives is, is at the heart of what it means to be a Christ follower. But Sadly, many professing Christians never uh, seriously engage in uh, prayerful dialogue with God about, about His will because they're afraid of what it may mean. If we claim to follow Jesus, how can we seek to do, how can we, sorry, not seek to do His will? Because that's exactly what Jesus did as God the Son. And if I'm following Jesus or saying that I'm a Christ follower, then this is a big part of of, of what life needs to look like. John 6.38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, Jesus is our role model. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was facing something more daunting, I alluded to this a moment ago, more daunting than any of us can even imagine, really. Namely, the the sinless Son of God, God the Son, facing the crucifixion, the brutal crucifixion. And it was not the physical pain Jesus knew he'd experienced that weighed on him most. No, it was the spiritual torment of of the, of the sinless one, the sinless one from eternity past, the sinless one becoming sin, as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, becoming sin for us. And yet still in that moment, he prayed to his father, not my will, 
but yours be done. He's praying, God, is there, Father, is there another way? There wasn't another way because our eternity rested on the, on the, on the need for our sin being such an affront to a holy God, our sin needed a perfectly holy sacrifice to pay the penalty for that sin because the penalty of sin, the wages of sin, Paul put it in Romans 6, the wages or the result of sin is death, which is separation from God for eternity. The result of sin is death. Ah, but the gift, that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord because the perfect one stepped in and took on himself the penalty that belonged to you and I. What a powerful thing. Jesus, even facing that, said, your will be done, Father. And he's our example to follow. As Christ followers, we believe God is loving. So why would we, why would we believe that his will for our lives is, is, is not a loving gift to us? We believe as Christ followers who, who believe the word of God, we know and see that, that God is all wise. And so why would we not believe that his will for our lives is something we can fully trust in as the wisest choice and the wisest way to live? As Christ followers, we, we, we trust in the character of God, perfect character, faithful character. And if you've walked with Christ for any length of time, you know that this is true. So, so why would we ever then not trust his will or be afraid to pray, God, your will be done? Why would we ever be hesitant to prayerfully ask with a committed heart, what God's will is for our, 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 our day-to-day lives and our future. God's will. If our idea about God's will is expressed something like this, God, go ahead, tell me, tell me what, what your will is and I'll take it under advisement. I'll consider it. I'll seriously consider it then our hearing from God about his will for our lives will, will definitely be impeded and, and maybe even non-existent until God knows our heart is willing. We may not hear the answer to the question we're kind of asking, <laughs> right? And again, many of you know that to be true. I think it's true to say that in our Bible teaching about the topic of the will of God, we, we may at times have overcomplicated it. yes. It might be that you end up in some other country as his representative to share the gospel as a missionary. But if you're, I, I think that if you're hearing that direction from God, it's most likely that you've gotten to the place of just being totally open to whatever it might be that God would say about his desire for the direction of your life. And then in that moment, you just know, this is the very best. That's the very best. But having said that, the lion's share of what it means to do the will of God is found in uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 32, where Jesus said, in response to the question, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, love God well with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love people. Love God and love people. If you love God with all your heart, you will love people, and you'll find yourself doing the will of God, actually, in the little and 
bigger ways in your daily life. And if you love God with all your heart, there will be a growing confidence in what he wants you to do that, that may to others at times even seem so huge. I hope that makes sense. I like, again, Philip Keller's words from that little book of his, The Lord's Prayer. He says, because of who God is, because of what, of, of what he is like, because of the beauty of his behavior, because of the unique caliber of his character, his will is bound to be good and beneficial and acceptable. Sounds very similar to the words that Paul, the apostle, described the will of God to be in Romans 12, 2. Now, as we wind down, a brief word about this phrase, as it is in heaven. Some Christians can complicate this theologically with the phrase, uh, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It does not mean because there's no sickness in heaven, there will be now no sickness on earth. We just have to work up a little more faith. Come on. No. No, because Adam and Eve's, because of Adam and Eve's original sin, we live for a time in a broken world. And things are, are, things are not now as God originally created them to be or desired them to be. But there's a time coming, yes, where this will be the case. And the Bible refers to it as new heaven and new earth. And yet, and yet still, in this broken world, God's grace is shown. God's grace is shown many times, and there is healing. Jesus is able, and he invites us to come and ask and put our faith and trust in him for that healing we desire. And, and other times, there's the provision the, the miracle is that God carries us through a very difficult time with his amazing strength and where, where his incredible grace and power are displayed in other ways. There's no easy answer to this. I'm not trying to make light of it. And some of you are walking that path of trying to figure this all out. Just keep close. Can I, can I say, just, just keep close to God's heart for you. No matter what the outcomes are in the things you're praying. And as you're praying, saying, God, I don't get it. I do want your will to be done in my life. I surrender. I trust you. Just keep that heart connection of trust and faithfulness. Because there's a time coming. And it may come before that future time, but, th but there's a time coming when God is going to set things right. He's going to set things right. God still wants us, no matter what we're facing, no matter what season of life we're in, no matter what life is looking like, He wants us to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're a part of that on earth. God's will be done. God's will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And the first, the first step toward that becoming a reality is 
Each of us allowing God, as Christ followers, each of us allowing God to be the king of our heart, mind, life, money, schedule, relationships, priorities. King, king, truly king of everything. In every, mo- in, in every moment of every day that he's given us to live life for him in the joy he wants to bring to our hearts. Yes, even in this broken world, that's possible. And to represent him well in this world. May it be so in Jesus' name.